Hello again, I'm Miriam Felton. Welcome to Yarn Stories Podcast. podcast people. I have a bit of news. We are halfway through the first season, which will be 16 episodes in total, and I've started work on the second season. I'll be visiting more farms and speaking to breeders and ranchers. If you've got any breeds or people that you'd like to hear from or hear about, I'd love to get that input from you. So you can send me an email to miriam at yarnstoriespodcast.com. That's M-I-R-I-A-M at yarnstoriespodcast.com. Also, I learned this week that Stephen B. is featuring my chromaticity cowl pattern in a kit, so there's a link in the show notes to that as well. I'm really excited about it. (laughs) If you're interested, chromaticity is one of my very favorite patterns that I've ever designed. It has some construction cleverness, and it's covered in rainbow hexagons, so what's not to love? Today, I'll be talking to Laura Jean Kelly of Knitted Wit, based in Portland, Oregon. Activism is a big part of her life and her business, and before we get into this too far, I want to make something clear. I'm a liberal in many ways, but not by any means always. My politics are important to me, but above all else, we are all human beings deserving of respect and understanding. I hope that if you're on a different political platform from myself or my guest, that you will listen with the basic understanding that we all love yarn, and that can be our common ground. The current political situation in the U.S. is so divisive and polarizing that it has pushed a lot of us to make it clear where what we consider important and to put our money and our time where our hearts are. And while I strive to live out loud, I hope that you will trust me when I say that I want you to live out loud wherever you are, wherever you sit politically, no matter who you identify as, no matter where you stand. Living out loud and listening with an open heart has never led me astray, so I hope that you'll try it also. So without further rambling on my part, here's Laura Jean. I have with me Laura Jean Kelly, unicorn and rainbow obsessed owner and color queen of Knitted Wit based in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Laura Jean. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining me. (laughs) So you just moved into a new studio space in October, right? Yes. How is your new space? Uh, It's amazing. And it's everything we wanted. We made a list of if we can have any space and like at at the biggest amount of growth that I want to aim for, what would that space look like? And we had a list and we looked at the space and it had everything. And uh, we jumped on it and probably a little too aggressively because there (laughs) (laughs) there was a lot that was not functioning. Oh, no. And it was a bumpy two months. But I think we're like I'm I'm personally coming out of the haze of moving and um, all the shit has finally gotten put together for like as far as we're having mail issues. A lot of things weren't functioning because they didn't do a really good transition between the previous people and us. Oh, okay. So like on the business end of things, it's been pretty bumpy and stressful, but every time I'm in the space, thankfully, I'm just so happy to be here and it's, it's everything I've wanted. So it's great. That's awesome. And is it more space? Yeah, it's probably two to three times bigger uh, square footage. So we're at 3,700 square feet and it's also super tall, like, you know, actual warehouse ceilings. Oh, that's great. So it feels even bigger than that. Like we could fit probably 10 of my houses in here. Like my house is so small <laughs> compared to here. So it's, it's amazing. That's, it's like, uh, we, we moved in, um, in February. So about a year ago and we, uh, 
have a one bedroom apartment now. And then I also have a studio and my studio like could fit my whole apartment in it. Yeah. <laughs> it's wonderful. Yeah. It's perfect because like, I don't actually need that big of a space to live, but like work requires right. so much stuff. Right. Exactly. That's exactly. Great. Yeah. Gonna... And the space is what we needed to grow because there's yeah. so much that we needed to store or we just needed to have a larger production run of things. And yeah. so now we have this to do that in. Are you going to do like uh, like drying racks that lift to the ceiling and use all that space up there? You know, at the moment, no, we have a room that was all built out and it's our drying room. And we have a situation set up with um, PVC pipes and grid walls. So oh, nice. we we can we can hang about 700 skeins at a time which oh, that's we're good. yeah that's so <laughs> we kind of have a cupboard but yeah, yeah. <laughs> i just like love the idea of using the upward space like absolutely have pretty gorgeousness going on yeah yeah cool. we definitely will use that for racks or for like uh storage racks we oh, are yeah, definitely going sense. up yeah sweet um so you you have a breed specific yarn can you tell me about it yeah, so we have Big Sky Worsted and Big Sky Bulky, and they are both 100% Targi made sheep to skein in the U.S. That's great. Yeah, and we have a couple other yarns that are also made sheep to skein in the U.S., but those are, you know, the non-merino ones and yeah. also non-superwash, and they are just delicious to knit with. I would think, I think that they are both more like a DK and a worsted, but they're so poofy that yeah. it's easier to knit up than down That's true. as far as density. How are they spun? What ply are they? Uh, let's see. The worsted is a three ply and the bulky is a four ply and the bulky actually looks, yes, exactly. The bulky is super dense and it it almost sometimes looks smaller than the worsted because the worsted has that much more room with that one less ply to expand. Yeah. But they'll fluff when you, when you wash them and block them. Very much. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple sweaters out of the worsted and it's delicious. That sounds lovely. So in addition to obviously being, um, you know, passionate about having, having, you know, U.S. made wool and yarn. Um, you also have a lot of other activism in your yeah. business. Yeah, uh, we have colors for a cause. Yeah. And you've got uh, the Herstory Sock Club, which this year yes. is focusing on international women in STEM, which for yes. people don't know is science, technology, engineering and math. Um, and the colors for a cause, you donate a particular a portion of all the sales of a particular colorway mm-hmm. to a related charity. Yes. So what are you uh, what are you doing in colors for a cause? So it started out with love is love, and that was in response to the um, shooting in uh, was it Miami the yeah. nightclub shooting pulse. So we donate 10% to two local Portland local charities, the Q Center and Inside Out. Mm -hmm. And the Q Center focuses on building community within the LGBTQ community and offering um, resources and connecting people. And they've been around for quite a while here in the Portland area. And then Inside Out deals with teens and homelessness issues and um, healthcare issues. And a majority of those teens are identified as LGBTQ. Yeah, a lot of the homeless youth population generally does, you know, they get uncomfortable in their houses or their families are not accepting and they get kicked out. And that's just horrible. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a, it's a very bright neon rainbow, very, um, very much looks like the flag. That's great. Yeah. And then let's see our other ones are, are probably our most popular ones, uh, from this last year. A lot of them came out of this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, it's, it's been very been a year, for, year. <laughs> for making a stand for what you believe in. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, our biggest one was probably she persisted and yeah. that was after Elizabeth Warren spoke up and got kicked out. And, um, 
I have a pin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's just mind boggling. Uh, so we donate, uh, that one 10% of sales goes to Southern poverty law center. Yeah. And what was awesome is I made all those donations and a couple of these organizations actually call to say thank you. And so oh, it was really wonderful. fun to get to say, well, I sell yarn funny yeah. enough and that's why we're giving you money. And yeah. so that's been great. And I had a customer. Okay. Two things about this color. I had a customer <laughs> who was knitting, um, a shawl in it. And she went to see Hillary speak, uh, and do a reading and she got her book signed and Hillary complimented her on the, the color. And I was like, Oh my God, it's oh, like wow. I was there and Hillary's talking to me. That's and it's great. not, but it feels that way. No, that's amazing. <laughs> and then another one of my customers, her mom is, um, works at the polls in Massachusetts and, and making sure that everybody has an opportunity to vote. Yeah. And you can't obviously wear anything politically minded while yes. you're doing that. So her daughter knit her uh, shawl with she persisted. Ah, so that's she perfect. <laughs> so she's got her her subtle, not exactly. not obvious. <laughs> exactly, resisting silently. Yeah. <laughs> nice, that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you've named some of your wonderful colorways. Um, your solid colors are really wide ranging and really saturated, yeah. uh, but your variegated colors are have wonderful names. <laughs> especially the group that you call inside jokes and the unicorn magic colorways. So how do you come to some of these? Um, a lot of them is us sitting around bullshitting and laughing (laughs) really hard and thinking that we're, I think I'm pretty funny. And so it's a lot of maybe misplaced self-confidence and, um, (laughs) like the unicorn giggles. We laughed for about an hour trying, like just back and forth coming up with names and finally we're like well it's just got to be unicorn giggles because that's all we're doing is laughing yeah and uh, sounds appropriate yeah it's just it's just a lot of uh bullshitting with other other people and bouncing names around and i have a lot of really clever employees that are also funny and uh, yeah you've got a hive mind of of, of, like funny people oh yeah do you have a favorite one a favorite color or favorite name favorite name oh oh gosh um Personally, I'm kind of a fan of alternative facts. Rainbow. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like all neutral speckles. It's not yeah. rainbow at all. It's, it's wonderful. It's all black gray. Yeah, that one's really funny. Uh, and that goes to ACLU. Uh, yep. yep. Um, so one that is, I think, probably our most offensive one is... <laughs> It's called Nude with Attitude, and I always preference it with this is our most racist color because it's obviously not the color of everyone's skin. Yeah. And so we've we've been we want to rename it because it's kind of an awkward conversation starter. Yeah. So <laughs> in house we've been calling it um, Becky or Basic Becky or Basic Bitch. Uh huh. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Becky with the good um, hair. <laughs> exactly. There's <laughs> a lot of things that happen in house that are not appropriate that's maybe fair. for the wider audience. Yeah. But yeah. we'll probably go with Basic Bitch. So that's our most offensive color <laughs> to date. Um, <laughs> But we're working on it. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. I I love that you've taken like a stand and are being, you're being who you are with your business. It's really, it's really easy to choose, you know, to go middle of the road and to not offend anyone and to hide parts of yourself. Yeah. And you're where you stand on things. And I'm really like, I'm like, not that this matters, but I'm proud of you for not doing that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I think there was a couple years ago, like when I was maybe more active on Twitter that uh, probably during Obama's second election, where I was yeah. like, oh, I I don't know if I can talk about abortion or maybe I'll just subtly say that I'm supporting Planned Parenthood. 
But I feel like, um, one, you know, I'm 37 and zero fucks to give. And two, we're just at a point where I I don't think there's room to not be authentic. And it's also just a a compulsion of mine to be (laughs) as open (laughs) as possible. So it's, I don't think that I could be the owner of Knitted Wit and not have it be any other way. This is just who I am. And I am very... Um, I don't have a lot of pretense as someone once told me. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, um, you know, I live in Utah, which is an interesting thing in and of itself. And, um, I come from a family of Mormons, though I am not Mormon. Mm -hmm. And so I, you know, was raised Mormon and I have chosen not to be. So like, there's a lot of, a lot of pussyfooting, a lot of like dancing around things that happens in my daily life. And I've, I made the decision in the last year to really live, um, more upfront, with mm-hmm. my online presence and the face yeah. I present to the world. And it's been really wonderful. Yeah. I think that there are, I, I've, def, I've had a few backlashes, but for every backlash, there's been 50 more people to say, thank you so much for including me. And it's amazing to see me represented in what you're making. Yeah. And, and that to me is just an incredible feeling. Well, and it feels like such a privilege to get to do that. Yeah. The thing that bothers me is that it doesn't mean that I don't also think that other, you know, people with differing views have a right to be knitting or to be, you know, like, right. I just, I'm going to live out loud and they're welcome to live out loud and everybody should live out loud. Like, it doesn't yes. mean that, you know, if I, like, because I support Planned Parenthood and support, you know, a woman's right to choose, it doesn't mean that people who don't can't knit my patterns like you know what I mean like common ground knitting is our common ground and I think that we should use it as a as a place to have conversations from yeah and I I don't know like there's so much divisiveness it's kind of getting me down (laughs) right but I think I feel like that's kind of my next step is that yes it's pretty obvious where I stand politically or emotionally spiritually whatever but how do I how do I uh, conduct myself or create the converse space for conversation conversation to that we can have differing opinions and let's get back to we think this color is awesome and and we want to make this thing together yeah yeah and like we have our um our national parks line and i I feel like that's been a really great (laughs) stepping stone for that it's yeah people's responses have been amazing and like I got engaged at this park with my, like just so many stories of I've had this experience and what this means to me. And that's been incredible. Yeah. Yeah, My, uh, we've been wanting to go to Mesa Verde, my spouse and I, Mm -hmm. um, to like, cause I, I love ruins. I love the feeling of like ancient, you know, like, like stone. Cause stone to me, like keeps memories. You know what I mean? Stone like holds and, and send, you know, gives back the lives of people who have touched it or lived there. Do you know what I mean? Totally, um, totally. So, like, we've been wanting to go to Mesa Verde for years, but, you know, we don't have a car and I don't have a license. And so that hasn't details. happened yet. But Minor details. when we do, <laughs> I'm getting a skein of Mesa Verde and they're going to be my road trip socks. That's awesome. That's so great. <laughs> so I hope by the time I actually get it around to it that you'll still be making the yarn. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so you've got your regular colorways, and then it looks like yes. you go through a bunch of limited edition colorways because there's a bunch of stuff on your store that isn't necessarily on your list of all the colorways you regularly have. Um, that's more of that. We just haven't updated the oh, website. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So a website <laughs> is super, super spanking new, and like we haven't even really talked about it. Got it. Um, so. It's been a major labor of love for my uh, friend, Kimberly, that does all my graphics, everything. And so 
Etsy is always a little bit ahead of everything else, although we're working yeah. to reverse that. Oh, that's um, great. Are, have, you moving, are you moving your whole shop to your website instead of Etsy? No, I'm going to keep Etsy for now. Okay. Um, it has a lot of the features that I want to use, so it's honestly just as easy for yeah, right now. And, and it was more of a response to wholesale, so I don't have to make color cards. I can just yeah. send people there to look at the colors. Yeah, that's easy. That makes sense. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, we are working on getting ahead of ourselves for our reps um, because wholesale is a majority of my business. Yeah. And um, so like this last two months, we've been de- developing probably 40 to 60 colors for the next year. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, it's been a lot. <laughs> that's crazy. So yeah. are, are your colorways just coming up organically or are you, so are they a result of like playing around with your dye? Like, um, do you guys not have, typically or you we come usually with a plan? do color inspiration? Yeah, okay. exactly. So we, for our parks, we'll Google and find images yeah. and dye based on that image. Mm-hmm. And then, um, for women in, uh, history for women in STEM, we've been, gathering a list of women and then either picking something that like we're going to do, I think her name is Myram. Uh, it's the woman that passed away this year. Uh, she's from Iran and she was this mathematical genius. Oh, and yeah. so, yeah, so we're focusing on Iran and her cultural connection to that place That's because great. even though she was living in America, she did not wear a hijab. She was not practicing. I don't know if she's practicing Muslim or not, but... But she wasn't Orthodox, like... Exactly. They still published a photo of her without a hijab, which was the first woman they've ever done that in their paper. Uh, They really recognized that she is ours, and so I wanted to bring in that contribution to the place. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So sometimes it's a cultural thing, or, like, there's this woman, I can't recall her name, that discovered the quirks. Oh, yeah. Watching all these videos about it and trying to understand physics, and it was really hard. <laughs> I, I love. I physics. still don't totally get it, but oh, man. so then it's like, well, what the hell is a quark and why uh, the term <laughs> quark and yeah. and what does that look like? So there's a couple different ways, but our our favorite ways to start with an image and pull from that and yeah. and bounce ideas around that way. And it's definitely all a majority of what we do is by committee and hashing out ideas with my employees and then going from there. That's great. It's so it's collaborative. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so speaking of collaboration, you mm-hmm. regularly host mini maker markets at your studio yes. that include yes. all sorts of other local makers. So potters, yes. glass makers, and my favorite witchy wellness maker, chicken coop botanicals. Yes. Uh, so do you feel really tied to your local community? And yes. Yeah, how do, I you, do how do you find a balance between the wider internet world and your local space? That's a great question. I so the holiday market thing started out of me being kind of lazy and I wanted to buy from all these people. But <laughs> you're I was like, like, hey, just come sell in my space and then exactly. I don't have to go to all your places and buy stuff. One hundred percent yes. <laughs> and, and I was like, if I like shopping this way, I'm sure other people like shopping this way. I love it. And, uh, so our, we definitely, the winter one is definitely a lot of people. Um, and I want to do something for the summer solstice. We have a huge space behind our building that's technically ours and it's paved and we have bay doors that roll up. So like oh, I want to nice. have a DJ and a huge party yes. and like Food some truck. Pigs and, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I want to have a big fat party. So it's, it's tough because I do have a lot of friends. Like I'm in a, a business group of women that are mostly based in California and we all met doing shows together when mm-hmm. I was doing more retail shows. And I, I try to collaborate with other people online when possible. Um, 
because it's great to cross pollinate yeah. and I just, there's so many women that I enjoy working with, but as far as like doing something local, it's hard to get them to come here for just a, you know, quick little afternoon. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. But you know, if, if somebody's passing through town or, um, I talked at one point with somebody else about using our space for, um, classes, like I'm happy to rent out. We have so much space now, especially, well, that's cool. um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty open and flexible to a lot of different ideas. That sounds fun. I'm, I'm working on making, um, so when we're recording this, this is still 2017, um, 2018, one of my goals is to make sure that I teach in my, in my space. Cause I've been, you know, yeah. teaching, like going to, you know, big like yarn fests and blah, blah, right. blah, teaching there and teaching at local yarn stores all over the place, but I haven't really been teaching locally. And so I'm, I'm really yeah. focused on, on pulling from my local community and giving back to my local community this year. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to be teaching some classes in my studio space, which I'm really That's excited awesome. about. It's, I think it just, it broadens everybody's perspective, you know, and it opens up possibilities, mm-hmm. creative possibilities yeah. to have multiple things going on in the space. Absolutely. And there's so many amazing people within either of our locations um, to connect with and collaborate with yeah. that it's awesome to get to highlight somebody local. Yeah. I have a local maker's market, uh, salt and honey that I love that I always volunteer nice. for. Cause, but it's like, it's the best place to get all your gifts. Cause like there's yeah. so with a bunch of different makers, cause they get like 50, 60 different makers while wow. having booths. It's beautiful. And so like you can find something for everybody. That's awesome. I love it. That's awesome. Um, so I've been thinking a lot about creative play and feeding my creative mm-hmm. spirit. So how do you keep your creative bucket full? Um, oh goodness. I like to cast on a lot of things. Um, <laughs> and I, I have kind of zero guilt about it because yeah. I, I work a lot and I feel like I work pretty hard most days. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, if I feel like casting on something, what's going to stop me, but finding the right needle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I do have, I'm getting pretty strict about, uh, like what I want to accomplish for 2018 and looking mm-hmm. ahead and making sure that, um, I do have boundaries on how much work I'm doing and how, how many days I'm working and stuff yeah. like that. So I have a lot of, of sewing, um, sewing goals and it's usually just stepping out of yarn that yeah. helps. Yeah, me too. I have, I usually have uh, personal knitting projects, you know, that I'm working on, like that I try to work on on weekends. If I don't have a mm-hmm. deadline knitting, you know, like I'll spend the weekends working on, on, you know, just a personal project. But like mm-hmm. the sewing is such a nice respite from the knitting. It is. And it kind of like, it, it helps me to appreciate the slowness or fastness, depending on <laughs> what I'm sewing and trying yeah. to accomplish and, and looking towards fit and how I want a sweater to how I want to feel in a garment, that kind of thing. But yeah, I just try not to bring too much guilt about, Oh, I haven't finished this or it's going so slow or if there's no knitting police, right. You know, like knit what you want, knit what makes you happy. If, if it bothers you that you haven't finished things, then spend some time finishing things. But like, exactly. Really, you know, if, if it makes you happy to have like this perpetually unraveling sweater that like, you know, you knit a bit and then you're like, and I still am in love with this and I want to knit it again. So you unravel (laughs) it and knit it again. Like if that makes you happy, do it. Exactly. (laughs) No knitting police. No. Yeah. Great. So, um, you would like to give away a skein of victory sock. Yes. This episode will be going out on the 22nd of February and you have a colorway called February 23rd. (laughs) Will you tell me about that? Yes. So we dyed up this color and we thought it was so pretty and we were trying to come up with names and it looks like a bouquet of slightly dead roses. (laughs) 
And so it's like, well, yeah, I guess that's kind of what your roses look like February 23rd. Uh And you think it's funny. That's awesome. (laughs) So uh, if you want to enter the contest for that, that would be all that stuff in the show notes. Um, But it's a skein of victory sock, which is a very, very lovely sock yarn. It is round and it is sturdy and it is like, it shows cables and twisted stitches and all sorts of things so beautifully. Yeah. And I feel like I can brag about it because I had no part in making it. I buy from a distributor, <laughs> but I think it's one of the best sock yarns on the market because of all those things. It has the right amount of nylon in yeah. it without being like squeaky. And it's got four plies. It's yeah. made sheep to skein in the U.S. Well, so and even it's a the little, superwash process. It's, it's a little amazing. bit on the, on the fatter end of fingering so- and sock yarn. So like, mm-hmm. you know, if you're one of those people who likes, who doesn't like to knit socks on ones, like if you want to knit socks on twos, you could still get a totally respectable sock on a two with a victory sock. Or you can have terrible gauge like me and knit it on double zeros. But whatever. <laughs> whatever. But, you know, it's, that's so funny because you're not the first person to say, oh, it's so thick for a fingering weight. I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? It's so skinny. But I think because it doesn't have a lot of puff to it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, pretty flat really yarn. Round, and it's yeah. going to hold up as socks forever. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is, like, really all you can ask for from a sock yarn. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And like I've accidentally dried mine and it's still. Oh, yeah. I've totally done that with my victory socks. Yeah. I don't I don't accidentally dry them. I absolutely dry them. I am like (laughs) I I don't care. There's so many socks that like if you know, if I knit socks for my husband and they're like um, and they end up shrinking a little bit, they're just socks for me. Um, But any any socks. I'm not hand drying socks. Not a chance (laughs) in hell. They all have to go in the dryer. That's, That's not going to happen because we only wear hand knit socks. Yeah. You know, he's got a drawer full, like he gets through the top layer, you know, like forest floor layers. He gets to the top yeah. layer in a week and like, or even two weeks if I'm like not super on top of the laundry and yeah. <laughs> like he's got, he's got layers underneath That's that amazing. he just doesn't touch because he has so many socks. That's that's quite the tribute. That's incredible. <laughs> well, it's because it's the only thing I can knit for him. He runs hot, so like he never needs a sweater, yeah. and he has a hat that he knit himself, and you know, so like he doesn't need anything else. So I just keep making him socks. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So I have a question that I ask everybody. Yes. And uh, I would like to ask you as well. What would be your everyday superpower? Okay. So confession, you gave me this question like a day or two early, yeah. and I've been obsessing about it, and. Um, <laughs> I have one answer that's inappropriate. My employees told me not to say it. And uh, then... Well, okay. So I did mark this podcast as explicit because I didn't okay, want to have good. to edit out swear words. So you could probably yes. say anything you want. Okay. Well, it's not explicit, which if if you ever talk to me in person, I have a very big sweary mouth. Oh, me and too. my children, thankfully, have not. They try like literally once a year, they'll try to swear. And then I just say, adults don't want to hear that coming out of your mouth. And then they stop. Thank God. That's but, funny. <laughs> so I ha- I think I have a reasonable amount of intuition. And I'm always, I can always tell you when my kids are pooping and they're hiding. And I'm like, go to the bathroom. Like, it's just this, you know. <laughs> and it's like, I, you know, I can tell when my kids are doing something they're not supposed to be doing. Yeah. I don't know if it's a hearing or what. But, but yeah. it's mom superpower. Yeah, I totally have that. But I think... The other, like the non-gross one, um, <laughs> the more respectable one, I have a really amazing ability to create community and find family um, wherever I go. And I've I, that's been my life since I was a, a young child. And thank God for Facebook and being able to stay connected. <laughs> yeah. But I have n- numerous adults in my life that I view as parental uh, role models. And yeah. I've 
still go back to them and, and ask for help. And what did, what did you do in this situation or did just get some reassurance? And so I'm incredibly grateful for the community and the people in my life. And yeah, the universe has definitely provided so many people along the way when I've needed them. That's wonderful. As an introvert, it's really like, that's, I, I, I'm envious of that superpower. I feel like, you know, building community for me is so much work. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, so I have a, a lot of siblings and I, I've noticed that I was like, Oh gosh, my sister doesn't, I don't know if my sister has that in her life. And I think it is because she's more introverted than I am. And it's just like, I, I feel like I'm a stray and I just get adopted into everybody else's family, which is great. That's, great. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, and you know, chosen family always is a little yes. better than the family you're given to begin with. It is sometimes the case, isn't it? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for talking to me. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And it's nice to actually chat with you instead of the, you know, one time a year I see you. Right, so you say, hey, give a hug. And like, you know, then you've got people Press, you need to sell more to. Time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks. Yeah, thank you so much. Head over to the show notes at yarnstoriespodcast.com to enter the drawing for that skein of Victory Sock in February 23rd colorway. Now we're going to speak with Amy King about the Targi sheep breed that is featured in Knitted Wits Big Sky Worsted and Big Sky Bulky Yarns. with Amy King, who is a fiber author, spinning teacher, and potter, and she's based out of Lisbon, Maine. Hey there. Hey, Amy. Let's talk today about Targi. Sure. I love Targi. Yeah, it's, um, it's, I've seen it more frequently. It seems to be on the rise. It is absolutely on the rise, and it's a fairly oldish breed. It's an American breed, you know, bred mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of developed here in the United States. Yeah. Um, which, you know, we've got a few of them, and Targi is one of them. So yeah. it was in the earlier 1900s okay. that it was created. Um, and it is um, Rambouillet, Corydale, and Lincoln all bred okay. together. So it, does it have any specific, like, uh, you know, one one breed was the, was the ewe and one was the ram kind of situation? Or did they just kind of, like, mix them all together and then stabilize it well it was the rambouillet rams uh-huh. and then the ewes were um they were corydale or they were a lincoln rambouillet rambouillet cross okay so it's kind of yeah so that it is kind of mixed it yeah it's kind of mixed and then they started so whereas when they're making a breed when somebody's yeah. a new breed it tends to go generations and generations before they start breeding against each other but yes. they immediately started. So it was a really quick breeding process of getting it, um, really getting to the their goal, which yeah. their goal was a dual purpose sheep. Now, Okay, so meat and, and fleece. Right. And now we all know you can eat any of the sheep. Yes. Most of them, you can do something with their fleece. Yeah. Um, but to have a really nice fleece that has good properties for spinning... Um, and that was and, their goal. And also be tasty. <laughs> it's, it's trickier. Right. They wanted a, a large, meaty breed. 
So they wanted something that was big and held a lot of meat and then also Mm -hmm. produced a nice fleece. And they did it with the Targi. That's awesome. So where was where was it developed? It, like you said, the U.S. was it a particular like place? It was out well in the the Targi National Park, Montana area. Ah, okay, yeah. So it's named for the national park where they um, kind of hang out during their summers. That's cool. Yeah, it's a it's a really neat breed, and the fiber is pretty amazing. What's it like? The fiber is very much soft, like the merino. Okay. But well, and Rambouillet is pretty soft too. Right, right. So it's, and it has a lot of the characteristics of the Rambouillet, but it's lost a little bit of that butteriness that it has, okay. like that buttery slipperiness. And what yeah. it gives you back is a hand when you're um, spinning or knitting it, even. It just feels like it's a little bit stronger and it's got a little okay. bit more oomph to it. Well, so I imagine it has a longer staple length than the merino or the rambouillet. It does have a longer staple length, which would get, make it feel, you know, like it has more sturdy oomph. Because merino's staple length is so short that, um, like, you know, you could very easily like break it with your hands instead of having to like cut it. Right. You, <laughs> you can know? still break this yarn, but it does oh, yeah. take more than a merino. So, and, yeah. and it pills a little less than merino. That makes sense because a, sh- a shorter staple means more ends per inch that can stick out and get caught and pill right but this has it's a nice springy feel so it feels a little bit springier than merino Mm -hmm. does so it's got a a nice oomph a nice puff to it Um, yeah it's just it's a really gorgeous yarn and i'm glad to see that it's you know making its rounds a little bit more yeah so it's a it must be a thicker like a larger micron count it is than merino um because of the the other breeds that are in there and so and the staple length how, how long is the staple length on targi generally the staple length is three to five inches okay uh, but yeah you know some of them i've seen they're a little bit longer yeah well and yeah it just it depends on a bunch of other things so right, right. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things that go into it um yeah that's really cool so um what particularly do you think that Targi would be suited for? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> I've made um, a lot of stuff out of Targi. Whether it's yeah. hand spun or it's a commercially made yarn, I love Targi. I've got sweaters, hats, mittens, socks, everything out of Targi. It's just, it's one of those fibers that you don't necessarily think of using because it's still kind of new to the market. Mm-hmm. But once you do, you go, why do I knit with anything else ever? <laughs> because it's got awesome. that softness that you want, but it is stronger. Yeah. Well, so I think of, I think of Blueface Lester kind of that way, yeah. you know, and like once, once you've knit with Blueface Lester, like why would you knit with anything else? But um, Blueface Lester tends to be more on the silky end, but Targi sounds like it's more on the bouncy end. Right. That's exactly okay. the way it is. But they're about the same staple length. They are close. I think BFL is a little bit longer. BFL is still considered a long wool. Okay. So it does tend to be more it's to the more four like to five six range. Just, yeah. Yeah. Got it. But yeah, I feel the same way. I do that. I will knit with BFL and go, why am I knitting with anything else ever? So I go between, <laughs> you know, and obviously I'll knit with something else. And I yeah. I own CVM Rommeldales. <laughs> so it's sort nice. of like, you know, I have these others, you know, this whole bunch of of animals that I'm just like, 
ooh, why do I ever knit with anything else? And then I'll it's, knit with you know, something else and go, ooh, why do I knit with anything else? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with being like, you know, totally in love with whatever you're knitting at any given moment. <laughs> Absolutely. Nothing wrong with that. No, and that's the thing. People ask, what's your favorite fiber to knit with? And I'm like, probably the one I'm working with right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, so is it dreamy to spin, Targi? It is so nice to spin. It has a nice sproying. It kind of, because of the crimp, it holds together well. So it doesn't mm-hmm. just fly apart. But yeah. it's just, it's really fun to spin. It's got a really nice feel to it. It's soft. It's not hard on the hand at all. And it's not so short that you have to really watch what you're doing. And it's not so long that you have to be very careful to have your hands further apart. It's just this good mid-range of just, it's a happy spin. That's great. And the only thing you have to worry about with this is that when you wash it, because you make the yarn, you ply it, and then you wash it to set the twist, mm-hmm. it plumps because of the oh, okay. So it tends to get a little bit puffier when you wash it. So this is, in particular, one of those um, yarns that you've spun. Or even if you're knitting a swatch, you really do need to wash this because it does change its characteristics a little bit. Well, I'm an advocate for always washing and blocking your your sweater or your swatch because I think that, you know, you're asking for it otherwise. <laughs> you know, unless you unless you put it through everything that your finished piece is going to go through, then you're you're like leaving information on the table. You know, you're you've got information there that all you need to do is, you know, ask it what it's going to do. <laughs> You know, Absolutely. ask the swatch what it's going to do. Why would you Why would you shoot yourself in the foot and risk disaster by not washing and blocking your swatch? All you have to do is do it once to remember, right? Yeah. You know, you, I mean, if you're making a full sweater and you don't wash and block your swatch, it's, you know, <laughs> you may end up with something that you've worked for weeks on that you have to give yeah. away. Yeah, because, you know, you weren't considering that, oh, it grows a lot in length when I when it hits water and so like you have a sweater that goes down to your knees instead of your hips right yeah and also you used a bunch more yarn than you needed to (laughs) (laughs) yeah it can be it can be really disappointing when that happens but it's you know you almost have to tell people to do it once just so that they know how it feels yeah um have all that work go to waste and then you go you'd only need to do it once and then you'd be like (laughs) never again yeah, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but once you know, like, if you work with a particular targy yarn and you know what it behaves like, then yeah, you know what it yeah, behaves yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thanks for joining me for this episode and for all the ones before. If you're just coming to this podcast and this is your first time, please do check out the back catalog. I've had a wonderful time talking with all these makers and getting their different perspectives on this yarn industry that we're all a part of, and I think that you'll enjoy it as well. If you're a regular listener, please consider sharing this podcast with a friend or leaving a review in any of the many places where podcasts can be found. You can review it in iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Facebook, seriously just everywhere. And don't forget about Local Yarn Store Day on April 21st, 2018. Check out the show notes for episode 108 for more on that one. This podcast was produced in Salt Lake City, Utah, with production help from Sid Fallon. Music is by the ever-elusive Breakmaster Cylinder. I'll be back here in two weeks to talk with Bristol Ivy about her new book, Knitting Outside the Box. Bye! Bye!